Superficially, the iPhone 13, iPhone 13 mini, iPhone 13 Pro, and iPhone 13 Pro Max are almost indistinguishable from their iPhone 12 counterparts. But once you start using them, the differences are considerable. Brighter displays, better cameras, especially on the Pro variants, huge improvements in battery life, especially for the mini, a novel cinematic video mode, double the storage for the baselines, and up to double the refresh rate for the Pros. They're exciting, tantalizing even, but also frustrating. Let me explain. I'm Renee Ritchie. Thanks to CuriosityStream with Nebula for sponsoring. I've been using all four variants for almost a week now, and this is my iPhone 13 review. And yes, I'll still be doing a ton of nerdy deep dives throughout the week, so hit the subscribe button and bell so you don't miss any of them. Battery life is just almost always at the top of the list when it comes to what people actually really care about the most with their phones. Last year, one of the biggest knocks on the entire iPhone 12 lineup was battery life, especially on the mini. So this year, that's one of the biggest areas Apple's focusing on for the iPhone 13 lineup. They've made the batteries bigger, which is always challenging because you have to balance for things like weight, thermals, and radio transparency, so you don't just end up with more battery to waste. But in addition to the usual improvements in software and artificial intelligence, Apple's also made the new A15 Bionic chipset even more efficient, and they're using an improved 5G radio. It has more bands and better 4G LTE and 5G NR aggregation, but it's also being handled better both on the phone and through just a lot of pressure on the carriers. Also for the pro models, there's a new adaptive refresh display, which I'll get into in 120 Hertz minute. Now, Apple claims their teams averaged an extra one and a half hours of battery life for the iPhone 13 mini and the iPhone 13 pro and two and a half hours for the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 pro max, all with typical mixed real world workloads. I'm getting about two thirds of that right now, but I'm also doing way, way more than a typical workload because 24 seven testing for this review and Pokemon Go. But for most people, I imagine the improvement will be substantial. So much so, I can even see iPhone mini aficionados upgrading just to get their daily drivers safely into the night. Either way, I'll follow up with a deep dive on the battery life and soon. Same with the A15 chipset, just like I did with the A14 and M1 last year. And I'll link to those below the like button. It's got a roughly 10% increase in speed this year, similar to what it got in previous years. This time it's thanks to a frequency bump in all the variants and an extra graphics core in the pro variants. But it really looks like Apple is increasingly spending their transistor budget on efficiency and non-core features these days, especially on the display and on the new camera and video pipelines, which are also coming right up. But if there is an M2 chip this year, it'll almost certainly be based on the A15. So if you're interested in either, make sure you hit that subscribe button for my deep dive. Now, A15 handles some of the most computationally intensive tasks we've ever seen on a phone and with a plum, panache even, which is one of the most important parts of any new chipset, any new year, providing enough headroom for Apple to continue to offer iOS and updates for it for another five or more years as well. That's where the investment in silicon really pays off for us, the customers. With the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max, Apple is finally, finally, bringing promotion adaptive refresh displays to the iPhone, like the iPads Pro have been doing for almost half a decade now. They can ramp up to 120 Hertz for silky smooth scrolling and gaming, like high thread count silky smooth too, not the cheap stuff, but also ramp down to 60 Hertz for TV and web videos, 48 Hertz for movies the way nature and Hollywood intended, even all the way down to 10 Hertz for static content like books and photos. Now, the thing about 120 Hertz is if you don't do it right, it just shreds battery life or forces compromises like lower screen resolution or cuts off when lighting changes or messes up color management as refresh rates shift and is otherwise just a spec absent 
any considered experience. Like the iPad Pro, the ProMotion implementation on the iPhone is so good, even with lighting changes, and especially with color management, I don't even really notice it. As far as I can tell, there's pretty much zero ramp up or ramp down curve, pretty much zero compromises that I can see. And that is pretty damn impressive. Now, how much any of this matters to you will depend entirely on how sensitive you are to refresh rates. The human eye probably maxes out at around 480 Hertz, but some people won't even notice the difference between the previous 60 Hertz and the new up to 120 Hertz. Others will be like, oh my God, oh my God, my eyes have stopped bleeding. I can absolutely see serious MKBHD level refresh rate nerds just upgrading instantly for promotion all by itself. What might be exciting or frustrating for you though, depending on your personal tastes, are the new colors. For the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 mini, that includes a pale pink, an actual, yes, iJustine pink. Pink, pink iPhone. Not just rose gold. Blue, which is more teal than last year. Midnight, which is kind of an indigo black. Starlight, which adds just a touch of gold to the usual silver. And product red, which is deeper again this year. For the iPhone 13 Pro and iPhone 13 Pro Max, there's silver and graphite, which seem to be the same as last year. Gold, which is a bit less beige and a bit more full-on Kardashian, Kardashian, one of those two, and Sierra Blue, which is less Pacific and more Sky. And while some people don't seem to like it, I think it looks fantastic, but I'm kind of committed to that color now. Speaking of frustrations, Apple made the notch 20% smaller this year by surface area, mostly by just narrowing it down. And while the narrower notch or natch does technically free up more pixels along the top, I haven't really seen anything that takes advantage of them yet. So as Thanos snappings go, it's symbolic for now at best. The bigger issue for me personally is that Face ID itself doesn't seem to have been improved after the last couple of nightmare hellscape years. And yes, I'm talking to you 2020 and 2020 junior. I was also hoping to see touch ID return, not even under display though that would be nifty, but just in the power button like the new iPad Air and mini because multiple biometrics they do add complexity, but also convenience and consideration. And we could all, I'll just use a bit more of that right now. And not to beat a dead horse until it's fully undead, like Lich King Nightmare Steed undead, but the amount of data we can now capture on iPhones is ridiculous. And it's only set to become even more ridiculous with ProRes 422, which I'll talk about more in a follow-up video when Apple ships it. But it's gonna let you record and edit in Apple's high fidelity video codec, super high fidelity, but also super high bitrate. And that really makes me wish Apple had reevaluated the entire, the whole entire lightning port situation this year. And I totally get that most customers, most mainstream customers have a ton of lightning accessories. And if you try to make them change it, they'll cut you. But just the idea of moving all of that video, all of that ProRes, those gigs and gigs of 10-bit HDR ProRes video over lightning or airdrop, fills me with deadline destroying dread. The iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 mini could go either way at this point. There are arguments to be made for both, but the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max, like the iPad Pro, like every single modern Mac, I just really want it to have Thunderbolt. I mean, if Pro is on the box, Thunderbolt or USB-C 4 should be in the port. And maybe Apple will have more to say and show when ProRes ships, but I'm old school, I'm Matrix, I'm Galactica. For my most mission critical data, I want my hardline. I use Thunderbolt for my 10-bit Canon video. I wanna be able to use it for my 10-bit Apple video as well. Also, Apple's going all the way up to 3X this year for the telephoto on the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max. And I think it's great that Apple really wants to improve the zoom this year because as I've complained over and over again for the last few years and reviews, Zoom is just one of those few areas of traditional photography that Apple still hasn't really addressed. Not with a massive megapixel camera, 
spin down for normal use or a dedicated periscope zoom for full-on creep mode. And I'd still love to see them go there eventually for bird peepers, cityscapers, and proud sports ball parents alike. But for all that, Apple has made the iPhone 13 cameras better and bigger across the board, starting with the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 mini, which had their layouts shifted diagonally just to fit that new camera, that new wide angle camera in there. It's still F 1.6 and 26 millimeter equivalent, but it's got a bigger 1.7 micron pixel sensor now, which means it can gulp down 47% more light for brighter, cleaner photos. And it's got the sensor shift system, which is what Apple calls IBIS or in-body image stabilization for crisper photos and steadier video. Last year, that was exclusive to the iPhone 12 Pro Max wide angle, but this year it's on every iPhone 13 wide angle. Pros, not pros, all of them. There's also a new ultra wide angle, still F 2.4 and 13 millimeter equivalent and still no autofocus, but it's faster now, which Apple says will make for better detail in dark areas and shadows. For the iPhone 13 Pro and iPhone 13 Pro Max, the new wide angle is slightly faster going from F 1.6 to F 1.5, but still 26 millimeter equivalent. And it has a way, way bigger sensor with a whopping 1.9 micron pixel size for a 49% increase in light intake over the previous Max and 120% increase over the previous Pro, if I got my math right. Sensor shift as well on both, which means this year, unlike last year, the camera systems and pretty much everything aside from the screen size and battery size is identical between the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max, which is just straight up terrific for people who all caps love big cameras, but not big phones. And here's where it gets even more interesting. On the Pro variants, the ultra wide angle has rocketed from F 2.4 to F 1.8, and it's still 13 millimeter equivalent. So it's drinking in 92% more light, but it's also gotten focus pixels now, which is Apple's name for phase detect autofocus. And that means it can double as a macro lens with a two centimeter minimum focus distance, which is something I've been hoping the iPhone would get for a good long, or I guess a good close while now. It works exactly the same for videos, though I couldn't get quite as close as I could for stills and delightfully for slow-mo videos, which I just love. What's really messing with my mind though, is the telephoto. It's slowed down from F 2.0 and F 2.2 on the previous Pro and Max to F 2.8 on the 13 Pro and Max, but it's also gone from a 52 millimeter equivalent on the previous Pro and a 65 millimeter equivalent on the previous Max to a 77 millimeter equivalent on both the 13 Pro and Max. And that also changes it from a 2X or 2.5X punch-in to a 3X punch-in. Apple's also adding photographic styles this year. So whether you just miss the different hipster Fuji film choices we had back in ye old days of yore, or you just spend long minutes of your life perfectly tuning a specific look for Instagram over and over again to maintain the purity of your grid aesthetic, styles will give you some of that life back with one huge caveat that I'll get to in a burned in second. Now, Apple has a bunch of defaults from standard to high contrast to vivid, warm and cool. And you can use any of those defaults or you can tweak the tone or warmth up or down to create your own and apply it to any or all of your shots as you see them and when you take them. And the best part is Apple's using their computational prowess here to preserve things like skies and skin tones. So warm doesn't make anyone too pink or too pumpkin and rich doesn't just blow out the clouds. But there is that big caveat. Styles aren't filters. They're not treated as after effects that you can add, remove, edit, and tweak at any time. They are not non-destructive. They're being treated like actual film stock. In other words, burned in, which I'm not crazy about, especially because it's unlike anything else in the camera pipeline from 
portrait mode and lighting to just the regular filters. I need me my safety net, but I've made a styles version of my usual boosted crushed teal and orange vibe or as close to it as I can. And I'll be posting with it on Instagram for a while. So check it out and let me know what you think. Now the headline feature on both the iPhone 13 and Pro variants this year just has to be cinematic video. And it's tempting to think of it as portrait mode video, AKA blurry bokeh background video, but Apple's trying something even more ambitious and audacious here, automatic focus pulling, like rack focus. And Apple says they study just a ton of cinematography to train this system. And you can see a lot of the classic elements at play, especially with eye lines. Cinematic video will latch on to the closest set of eyes it can. And if and when those turn away, it'll rack focus over the next closest set. And if the closer set turns back, it'll rack focus back, at least in principle. Same thing for eyes coming in and out of frame or losing eyes completely and rack focusing onto objects. Now you can also do it manually anytime because it's not perfect all the time and no machine learning system, this side of rise of the machines will ever beat a human for truly creative, artistic, in the moment shot selections. And the segmentation masking is really good, but there's still some softness around things like ears. Best of all about it, the depth and focus data is all recorded along with the video. So you can go back and change the focus or depth in post, whether that's because the system got it wrong or you changed your mind, or if the bokeh wasn't perfect and you wanna ease back on it to compensate, or you know, just completely blur obliterate out that person who walked through the frame that you never liked. That said, even with the A15, cinematic video is still limited to 1080p 30. 1080p because it can't handle the data throughput for 4K yet, 30 frames per second because, well, everyone, everyone who hears the word cinematic will be jumping up and yelling 24 frames per second, myself absolutely included. Apple has just always treated 1080p not as a movie format, but as a television and web video format and only offered it at 30 or 60 frames per second in North America, even before cinematic video. Either way, anyway, it's an amazing concept, but it's still very early days in execution. So I find myself going from whoa to don't and back again all the time, like I'm rack focusing my emotions. Now, in many cases, it's still utterly usable, which may sound like damning with faint praise, but until now, it wasn't even really possible. And it's just, it's so much fun. And the really, really cool thing is, we've all had photo studios in our pockets for a while now, but with the iPhone 13, Apple has put a full-on cinema rig in every pocket, pretty much for the first time. And that's gonna help inspire a whole new generation of cinematographers, of people who can more easily and accessibly experiment with the language of cinema and in places and with shots that they simply never could before. Especially because once Apple does something like this, it tends to trigger everyone else doing it or the ones already doing something like it to promote and push it even further. And then in a couple or a few years, it's just it's everywhere. And I can't freaking wait to see what this means for people growing up on YouTube and TikTok, just rack focusing all the trends. Here's the bottom line when it comes to upgrades. Typical iPhone cycles these days are between three and five years. So for anyone still on an iPhone 8 or 10 or earlier, even a 10s, the sum total of new and improved features across the iPhone 13 line, but especially for the Pro variants will be compelling, just a huge upgrade. If you're on an iPhone 11 or iPhone 12, then it really comes down to two things. One is the camera, arguably the biggest camera update ever, if that's critically important to you. The other is promotion, if you've been basically waiting on that forever. That is, if you're not on an annual iPhone upgrade program or a two-year carrier plan, 
or you just get an outrageously good trade-in offer, then that pretty much makes a decision for you. Otherwise, my always advice is to wait as long as you can to upgrade, upgrade when you absolutely need to, get the best you can afford, and then enjoy the hell out of it with zero regrets because there'll always be something new and something next. Just like the dream iPhone Ultra I put together with Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD. Give me 480 hertz, give me quad batteries, give me <laughs> USB-C. Available ad-free, sponsor-free, extended even on Nebula, along with my original Impact iPhone, where MKBHD, iJustine, John Gruber, and a bunch of other creators reflect back on the very first iPhone in Keynote. Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. I will also say the iPhone video is the only smartphone video that has ever snuck its way into a video. Honestly, if every other piece of tech was taken away from me and I just had my phone, I could carry on and do my job. Available exclusively on Nebula. And it's not just my videos or MKBHDs. It's iPhone Doe, Georgia Dow, Jordan Harrod, Low Spec Gamer, Jenny Ma, Ali Abdal, Tech Alter, and so many more, all ad-free, sponsor-free, and often extended on Nebula and bundled in for free when you sign up with today's sponsor at curiositystream.com slash Richie or click the link below. And right now, because you're watching this video, you can get CuriosityStream for 26% off, less than 15 bucks a year, less than the price of an average iPhone dongle for a whole entire year. And that includes their thousands, thousands of amazing documentaries and series like this one with biologist Tom Hunt, where he goes in search of people with genuine real life superpowers that push the known limits of the human mind and body. So to support educational creators directly and for just the best damn deal in streaming today, over 26% off CuriosityStream, less than $15 a year, and Nebula bundled in for free, just click that button on the screen or go to curiositystream.com slash Clicking that button really helps out this channel. And so does hitting the playlist above for more, much more on the iPhone 13 and all of Apple's 2021 products announced and still upcoming. Hit that playlist and I'll see you in the next video.